Hello and welcome to DigFinVox, the voice of digital finance. I am your host, James DiBiazio. Our guest today is Andreas Berner, Chief Innovation Officer at SmartStream Technologies. Andreas spoke about artificial intelligence and in particular machine learning, the way that it's being deployed by financial institutions, where the technology is coming from, where it's headed, some of the ways that it's being turbocharged, like in areas of hardware and cloud, some issues that still linger, explainability, how to get creaky legacy IT to be able to make sense of all of this data and analytics. And finally, the way that AI is being combined with other next-gen technologies such as blockchain to create even more value-add for financial institutions. So please welcome Andreas Berner. So, Andreas, uh, welcome to Digvin Fox. Thank you for having me, Came All the way from Vienna. So it's a pleasure to have yes. you on the show. Um, you and I have spoken before. You are uh, you have a career in artificial intelligence. Uh, tell me, what is the big problem today that that artificial intelligence is trying to solve when it comes to financial services? Oh, that's a that's a big question, James. So. Uh, financial services is specifically interesting for AI and machine learning because we always have big data uh, everywhere, right? Everywhere in, in financial services, we have millions of, of transactions. We have thousands of workflows, how we deal with everything. And it's, it's, um, it's very structured, but also very time intensive to do to, uh, to, uh, financial services. So it's actually a sweet spot for machine learning and artificial intelligence. Um, we in SmartStream, we are in the, in the reconciliation area, which, is, which has to deal with many, many transactions. So that's again, uh, a very, a very um, specific area, but also in other areas where um, in the, in the uh, payment industry or so, you have, you have a lot of similar workflows and transactions and machine, machine learning is perfect for that. Yeah. yeah. How, how is the machine learning use cases and, and technology itself evolved in the past, let's say five to eight years? Um, mm -hmm. you know, how, is it at a level where it is quite sophisticated now or are we still very much where if you want to create a machine learning style program, there's still a huge need for data scientists to be feeding the machine constant data mm -hmm. and, and experimenting and going down blind alleys and not quite knowing when you're done. And you know, how, yeah, how, yeah. how far along are we with this? That's a good point. Yeah. So, so I would say both at the moment. So how it involved at the moment, the interesting thing is that the cloud providers, uh, all the Amazons and Azure's, uh, Microsoft Azure and Google, they provide uh, machine learning infrastructure and not only infrastructure, they also provide workflows for machine learning. So you can do many things on the cloud you couldn't do easily before. You know, in machine learning, a lot has to do with testing and seeing what are the nice, that the right hyperparameters, really tweaking the algorithms. And what you can do now, what you couldn't do before is you can just purchase on Amazon 20, 30 huge machines 
run your optimization there and within an hour you get you have your results back before you 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 had as a bank or as a as a big company you maybe had one or two machines and it took several days to do the same the same thing so i think we we advanced a lot in terms of in terms of processing power because the cloud technology now now also has this has this domain of machine learning um, um, but but on the other hand it's still um, very much how you how you run the workflows. I see a lot of companies that are doing POCs and custom machine learning uh, tasks specifically for their needs. And it's the same like in every with every software product. You can either do it customized or you buy a standard product uh, which does the job 90% for you and then you just customize a bit. And and um, I mean we can we can talk about about the, the pros and cons a bit a bit later maybe but it's it is still when you I see a lot of PUCs where it's still a trial and error topic you have some data you try that algorithm that algorithm this algorithm ah it works then optimize it a bit this is not the way um, we we are doing it but I still see it a lot out there yes and that is that is data science. Uh, expensive if you do it uh, in that way yeah. right because that's you're paying people to, to do all that trial and error correct yeah and they have to evaluate evaluation is is also a data science job um and ev evaluation is is uh, super time expensive right it right. takes a lot of time so how much of the data science work that kind of uh day in day out uh training and evaluation is now being able if you're if you're either making it more cheap and fast if you put it on the cloud or just it's it's being automated itself. So I would say from a typical data science job, uh, scientist job, a lot has to do with data preparation at the moment, where you have to tweak the data so that it works for the machine learning algorithms. Then you really train the algorithm, which needs a lot of knowledge, but it's like. Uh, like playing golf right where you hit the ball and it just has a contact of a millisecond and then it flies a long long way and the same is true for machine learning not, not, not when i'm playing golf <laughs> I'm, I'm not playing golf <laughs> so yeah i'm lucky if i just make contact you know <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a bit the same so you have a very short time where you have the contact with a machine learning algorithm and then it trains a long time and predicts a long time and only then you get the results so you have to be very good in that millisecond. It's, it's of course a day or two where you where you uh, implement that algorithm, right? And then again, a lot has to do with with uh, verification in the end. Was it good? What was not good? How can we do it better? And it's a it's a iterative process. Um, it's very time consuming if you do it that way. We <clears throat> we in SmartStream uh, when we when we started two years ago, we had a different approach because we come from the software industry and not from the data domain. Mm. And in the software industry, we everybody learned very early that it's not clever to have customized products, but better to have products off the shelf that you customize uh, because it takes ninety away ninety percent away from the time uh, that needs to be put into those products. So we, we, we really try to implement something which works for every reconciliation or for every cash and liquidity problem and, and then only customize it um, on, on site. Uh, so we can minimize those times, but still it's, it's a very time consuming task, uh, data science these days. Yeah? 
Yeah. Do you see that changing? I'm mean, just curious as to, you know, you're an expert in this field. So where do you see the field going? Uh, before we talk about some of the actual use cases, where where, where do you see the, the advances in the machine learning and the data science itself? Yes. So <clears throat> a lot has to do at the moment with explainability uh, still. Um, we, I think we talked about it a year ago. But explaining a machine learning algorithm is still something everybody wants to have. And the better they can explain themselves, the better it is. We recently used uh, Bayesian uh, neural networks, which is a very mathematical approach that can fully explain themselves with probabilities and confidence values. So you always, when you train an algorithm, even as a user, you always have a very nice overview as a curve, how, how well the algorithm itself thinks, how good it understands the data. So it says uh, 60% and you, you would understand that from the things you have to do, 60% is probably right of, of uh, what it's proposing. And when you add 99%, it means to us users a different thing. So it's, it's, it's very important, the explainability. And the other thing which is, happening at the moment is really in, in the infrastructure domain. So um, when, we, when we approach uh, banks at the moment with our technology, um, only then I see that how big the gap is between the data science and FinTech community and what a, what a bank really is able to deploy. Mm -hmm. um, so so we, we use, for example, for some algorithms, High, high performance graphic cards because only they can produce the power we have, right? The normal computer has 30 CPUs and the graphic card has 3000 and we use four of them. So we have 12,000 CPUs on that graphic card. It doesn't cost a lot, but for a, for a bank, it's a complete different subject to order and to purchase a normal computer than one with graphic cards because still it's a gamers thing, right? So. So they, they, I always um, you mean because the graphics are they associate their procurement people think oh that's for video games why do we need it right yeah for for cutting for cutting videos for video games and so on right so when when I when I'm in that discussion we we try to produce um, machine learning software that works on every machine but if you go into this in these high performance areas graphic cards are very useful and then you. And then I'm, I'm in that discussion with, a, with a, an infrastructure department in a bank, and they have these normal cloud computers. And they tell me, all right, our standard cloud computer has eight CPUs and 20 gigabyte memory. How many do you need? And in terms of machine learning, it's completely wrong to think about uh, these computers, because what we, what we know from the machine learning community is that the amount of data an algorithm sees has, has a lot of influence how good the algorithm is. So if you present the data at once, um, the outcome is much better if you present it in chunks on, on smaller computers. So we always want to have the biggest computers. And this is a, this is a, this is a big uh, discussion then, of course, because they think um, the software might be bad, but that's not the case. It's the way machine learning approaches the subject that we need large computers. Right. And is this where so, the, the cloud discussion comes back in? Because presumably they could migrate that to a test environment on a on a cloud. But are they concerned then about security uh, and, and some of the, the other issues around that? 
Yes, correct. Yeah. So when when we when we go to the cloud, we also have our own demand services in SmartStream. So we provide uh, cloud environments, uh, but then it's all about the ISO certificates and the SOC certificates and so on to to um, to provide that. And even on the cloud, um, a, a such a computer running all the time is is expensive so you want to run it whenever you need it right just two hours in the morning when we do our predictions for the business uh during the day or again in the evening an hour so it, it needs it needs a different way of thinking than the standard uh cloud environment um and when when we have those discussions i feel there is a gap right between the data science community and uh the cloud community at the moment and that will advance to answer your question. Yeah. We will see that in the next two, three years converging and, uh, and, and that, that will make a big difference for us. So in other words, we're gonna see banks will either upgrade their systems or they'll be using cloud more and the way that their, um, their IT people work with you, they'll be speaking more around these issues around data science as you understand it, or as a FinTech company would probably be native to it, uh, as opposed to more traditional legacy IT kind of conversations. Yes, correct, yeah. yeah. So, so we, we will speak, they will more and more understand what the data science is not only a software subject, but also a hardware topic. And that hardware topic has to be mastered. Yeah, right. that's correct. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. When we talk about explainability, uh, for a bank or an insurance company or an asset manager, uh, what are the issues they have around explainability? So um, let, let me give you an example, yeah, because uh, it, it's it's much easier to explain by by an example. We we had some when we started in the innovation lab with machine learning, and for example, we tried to um, try to predict uh, data. Sometimes uh, the machine was able to predict data and we had no idea why it could predict that. So a data record came in and our algorithm said, all right, that's from Bank of America. And we looked at the data and there was nothing in there that, it's, that, that is Bank of America. So we turned on explainability and starting uh, looking at what were the reasons that it was classified as a record from Bank of America. And the algorithm actually used the, the, the blanks in that statement to identify uh, that's Bank of America because only Bank of America put blanks or spaces in the reference number at a certain um, at a certain uh, position. I mean, it's it's nice to have that as a suggestion, but as a banker, if you look at that, it's useless because you want to have a reference number or you want to have um, BA uh, somewhere in the in the reference number and not having that classified based on something which is not uh, data. It's just, it's just an indicator, right? And that, that is why it makes a huge difference for business users that we can mark, uh, the, mark why a machine learning algorithm has found something. Because it means nothing to have 99% uh, confidence in a prediction if it's based on non-data, right? Just metadata. Right. Uh, and that, that is why it's so important to give users insights that it was really a useful information the machine uh, predicted on. Okay, great. Well, let's talk about use cases a little bit. 
How do you see the way that financial institutions are using you know, the work that you do and, and AI in general? Uh, do you see uh, an evolution in terms of, of what they're able to do uh, and, and what they're able to deploy? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot happening at the moment. So I think uh, the machine learning community has, has shown what we can do in financial services. Um, there are a lot of fintechs, specifically actually in your, in your market, in Hong Kong and Singapore, there are many good fintechs that work uh, in, in, with fin financial services. And I think everybody uh, has a good understanding now where the top use cases should be. Um, on, on the other hand, um, it, it's more than just a data science use case. So if you look at the recent events that happened to, to, uh, to a big bank in, 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 uh, in, uh, in Europe or US, right? Where they lost millions and you, you look how they, what, what was the reason for that? It was really a bad uh, user interface and a bad user experience that three people oversaw a mistake that was in, in a data record. So all the data we have, all the predictions we have also need better user interfaces because we are generating with uh, AI and machine learning even more data. And for a user that's hardly digestible at the moment, if you present in more data. So I think the evolution that is uh, going to happen in the next one or two years is what we also do in SmartStream Air. We present the data context sensitive. So only what a user really wants to see needs to be shown. Uh, when, an AI, when an AI algorithm is clever, only give a user back the clever bit and not the whole data piece. Uh, we really have to make the applications more clever and, and present only to a user what a user needs to, to, uh, to, um, that, to, to um, make their um, make the decisions or base the decisions on, right? Not, not right. all the data we have that's useless. Right, okay, and, so, so there's an editing function, an editing function that needs to be added to this because there's so much data and even though you're providing analyses, visualizations, um, I guess either a lot of the data is irrelevant or um, it's just, you know, people are just overwhelmed. Yeah, it's both. It's um, the old user interfaces that are in banks are, are really 30 years old. They use, still use mainframes in many banks. And then we have those AI algorithms that based on the data produce even more data and you cannot fit it on a text mask. Uh, so you need some clever, um, um, some clever pie charts, bar charts, and things that really are useful for a user. So, so uh, I think in the next two or three years, we will see um, that uh, the user interfaces will incorporate machine learning data more cleverly and, and will be much better for the user to use and to digest. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's and not the case at the moment. Yeah? Right. At the moment, it's more about um, having reports that are printed and, and in the bank, they, they then have this nice PDF that explains what hap what's happening, but it's not interactive, um, mostly not. Yeah? Right. And this is what needs to be done uh, very soon. Yeah. If, if I'm a, a, a COO uh, or, or someone in charge or a CTO at a big financial institution, um, what, you know, listening to this, what am I thinking about what this is gonna bring me what I should expect from AI and services related to it today, and where can this take me? What what can I go to my mm. my team and say, okay, guys, uh, we've got this 
you know, this this journey that we're on, and this is you know these are some measurable benefits that we're going to be getting, and you know, um, uh, you know, get excited about this stuff. Yeah. So so um, what we see at the moment is that the number of transactions worldwide are rising. So many departments have problems uh, with their workload. Um, so so it's all about reducing manual touch points. Uh, of users so that they do the standard things not manually anymore. Um, and, and when you introduce machine learning, we have seen uh, when we introduced affinity, smart stream affinity, which is this observational learning algorithm, we can observe users, how they use uh, their workflows. And after three or four days, we can al already provide good suggestions. After another few days of observing, it can really do their work. Um, um, basically, uh, either really process uh, things for them where the algorithm feels confident, or in the background as a quality insurance where a user, when they click something and the algorithm does not, uh, wouldn't do the same thing, there's a message popping up saying, do you really want to do it that way? The last days you have done it differently. So um, I think that the big arguments at the moment for machine learning really is that we can optimize the business. So we see 20% uh, efficiency gain through um, affinity, for example, uh, in, in use cases. Um, then the, the work can be done earlier in the day because if you automate it, it's done between eight and nine the hardware does, does that from eight to nine and not when, when you reach the SLAs at two o'clock, three o'clock. So you reduce the risk significantly by doing so. Mm. And you, you also increase the quality of, of the workflows because they are done in, a, in the same way. It's not so human uh, error prone, not so human dependent. It's like writing down a workflow. Uh, machine learning also captures the workflow and, and standardizes it. So there are lots, lots of benefits at the moment. And it's not very difficult to, to introduce uh, machine learning into, into workflows. Um, it's, a, it's a thing um, that, that can be done easily these days. Right, so the integration part is no longer such an issue. No, um, specifically if there's, uh, if there's standard software. So in, in SmartStream, we have uh, our reconciliation products which are out there with many, many clients and all it needs is an update to the next version. And then uh, our machine learning components uh, start, start uh, computing and, and start uh, you know, increasing efficiency. Um, we, we even implement it in a way that it has nearly no configuration uh, that is required. So the clever bit is if you have uh, a software that already captured uh, the workflows for many, many years, and then you upgrade it to a machine learning uh, um, software, it can take all those uh, data already and, and can have immediate benefits, right? This is, this is the way as we see, um, it, it, for us, it's the, 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 the best way to, to introduce machine learning to a company. Um, as I said before, it's like taking a standard product uh, that you can trust or, or a, 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 a making a project, a PUC, where, where uh, many PUCs, when they are done, people leave, uh, then, then uh, the, the knowledge is lost. And as we know, software is getting old very, very quickly. 
so if it's not being maintained um, in in a few weeks it will have the first the first problems probably due to due to security topics right mm. so software needs to be maintained and um, and therefore I see machine learning very much as a standard software it needs uh, it needs standard products that are maintained by by uh, um, software providers yeah okay um, we've, you've mentioned a few areas where your software is being used heavily reconciliations is one um, I think we've also talked um, I've talked with your colleagues also around um, uh, corporate actions processing, uh, processing payments. Where do you see right now? What's the most exciting area in terms of of, of the work that you guys are doing? Uh, and and maybe what do you think will will that remain the case for some time, or do you see your capabilities and 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 what the what the AI and the software can do moving into other uh, challenging areas for financial institutions? Um, still, still the, the biggest topic for us is reconciliations. Uh, reconciliations is not only a fintech problem, it's uh, in every corporation. As soon as you reconcile, uh, um, as soon as you have two data sets, you need to reconcile. And there are lots of regulations that require uh, reconciliation. Um, and only then you can uh, work further and, and for example, um, um, send your data to regulators only when it's reconciled. Um, so so um, reconciliation is for us a big topic. And with uh, SmartStream Air, we have a product which is very clever in many ways. It can um, onboard uh, new data very quickly within seconds. It will provide uh, reconciled data within a minute or so. So we have put all our intelligence and uh, data science know-how into that product. And, and we see that uh, we are at the moment um, approaching new, uh, new domains where we have never been. So we, we have contact to the mobile phone industry um, because they need to reconcile. We see that um, cryptocurrency providers uh, need, need reconciliations. We have uh, projects and customers in, in these areas. Um, so our, our biggest focus in SmartStream, and it's, and it's a big area, yeah, is, is uh, reconciliation and also the, the whole workflow from the onboarding to the reconciliation itself, to the reporting, so providing management reports where uh, disputes are, and then the whole exception management, which is also such an interesting area for machine learning, because then you have uh, unstructured data, it's emails and and, uh, and phone calls and, and so on that, that need uh, very different ways uh, to, to approach it than structured data. Yeah. Um, last, last question for you, Andreas. Um, you're also uh, at, at SmartStream, you're chief innovation officer for, for blockchain as well as for AI. And you mentioned, um, we've been talking about reconciliation, which is predicated on traditional workflow processes. Uh, but if you're also doing this for some members of the crypto community, where, where does uh, the work you're doing with AI and reconciliations meet that, that blockchain or let's say, you know, decentralized networks world? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a misunderstanding that uh, when you have blockchain, then every data is in sync, which is typically not the case. So what blockchain achieves is that where you are on the blockchain, the data is fully in sync, but there are always endpoints to that. 
uh, when you have a cryptocurrency, you buy the cryptocurrency. So you have a payment process in there. Uh, when you're doing uh, trade finance, for example, on a blockchain, then it's the process where you have to reconcile the documents against the blockchain or where you have to reconcile again, again payments to the blockchain. So the, the endpoints always uh, require reconciliation. So I think it's the perfect combination um, to have in a company uh, to look at blockchain, which is for sure a, a future-proof concept. It's, it's, it's really great for so many domains, but also reconciliation because um, it will still be needed very much when you uh, have the endpoints of the blockchain. When you master the blockchain and the reconciliation, then you have the whole process that you can that you can uh, um, that you can provide to 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 uh, to uh, clients. Right. So it's the on ramps and the off ramps, the touch points to a blockchain network. That's that's what has to be reconciled within, I guess, on chain processes. That's all flattened out, and uh, it's just a, an immutable record that everybody's sharing. Um, yes, fascinating right. stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and so and so some of SmartStream's work, I guess, will be combining some of these different applications and and next gen technologies. Yes, for sure. So in the innovation lab, we are always keen to look at all the innovations out there. We are looking at different blockchain technologies. We are using all the latest machine learning uh, technologies. Uh, many things uh, are coming into SmartStream uh, are provided then with uh, SmartStream products. Uh, but we look at much more than what you will see in, in the product. So it's a, and, and there's a lot coming up at the moment. Uh, yeah, uh, blockchain is, from where I see it, is still starting. Yeah? It's still being, uh, we, we, we still are trying to understand where it can be used. It's, uh, it's, a, very, it's a very great technology. Yeah, great. Mm -hmm. Well, then I look forward to um, having you back on the show uh, sometime in the future when we've moved to the next, the next level and we can talk about the next iteration. So um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Andreas. Thank you so much. Thank you.